Hello, my name is Dylan Arvella and welcome to a special episode of the IPL Informer podcast where we're teaming up with the South Coast Footballholic podcast to review the crazy 2020 Illawarra Premier League season. I'm joined by the founder of the South Coast Footballholic, Jared Pollard. I recall some months ago now putting my neck on the line on your show saying there would be no IPL this year, but on Sunday we wrapped up the season and what an unforgettable season it was. In so many ways. And by the way, founder, I don't know where you got that title from, but anyway, we'll roll with it. But uh, no, it's uh, it's quite crazy how it's... What, Start of November and we've only just finished the season. It's pretty insane. But, yeah, a lot happened and there's a lot to digest, I'm sure. But, yeah, it's a busy day on Sunday, wasn't it? But, um, yeah, so a lot to get through for sure. And we'll be getting through all of it on this week's podcast. And someone mentioned, someone from the Park White Eagles actually mentioned on Sunday how they've actually got trolls coming up in about a week's time which is pretty crazy, and that would be the case with most Premier League clubs. We are also joined by Illawarra Mercury journalist Josh Bartlett on the Zoom. Ready to dissect it all, mate? Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. Uh, both of you have been very gracious to be having me on as guests this year on your respective podcasts. Yeah, it's been a, a heck of a season, my first one covering the IPL, and from what I can gather, it's one that's never happened like this one before, put it that way, so... We went from not knowing, you know, where, when we we're going to start this comp, if it would start to, it feels like a whirlwind this um, last couple of months. So, as you said, a lot to digest in the next, uh, on this podcast. We will be going over all 12 teams in the Illawarra top flight, as well as discussing the individual award winners. But before that, we need to talk about Sunday's grand final where Wollongong United lifted the grand final trophy thanks to a 1-0 win against Wanuna at Ian McLennan Park. It was the third time United have beaten the league champions by that scoreline this season. And this time around, it was Hikaru Kawaskia who proved the difference. I was fortunate to call the match for Football South Coast. So let's have a listen to the title winning goal. Dias is still in with the Snithy, but... He's walking away now. It'll be Kawasakiya. Lines it up. Strikes for the bottom right corner. And he's found it. Wollongong United take the lead with a smart free kick from Hikaru Kawasakiya. It is 1-0 to Wollongong United. I was hoping you got to redo it for us. Josh, I think it's fair to say United was certainly the better side on Sunday. And I had, and had it not been for Jay Fernandez, the Sharks may have lost by a couple more. But in saying that, their overall structure, particularly defensively, was still pretty solid. What are your takeaways from the match? And did you have a perhaps a standout moment apart from that uh, well-taken free kick? Yeah, I don't think it'll be a game that's remembered for the ages in terms of... Um entertaining value for a lot of that game. It was a tough slog, at least through the midfield. Uh, I thought the Sharks were really solid in defence, but besides, I think Ishii, I think Tamara Ishii had a shot right at the start. I believe it was him. That was my moment. If that goes in, I think it was well well tapped over the bar by Nikolovsky. If that goes in, we're going to have a goal after one minute. Man, who knows? They could have really gone on and pushed for it. So... After that, I feel like they really didn't fire much of a shot in attack. They were absolutely sound defensively. Fernandez 
was fantastic. Honestly, it could have been four 0 without him, without him there. Um, and yeah, so it's kind of the story of all three games from particularly. I've seen the last two times United played the Sharks, and it felt like Winona were up for the battle, but just couldn't find that next step in attack to to make the difference. So I agree, United deserved the win. That issue moment was something that I was actually going to bring it up as well. And I think that uh, I'm pretty sure it was a cross into the box and Nikoloski seemed as if he was going to come out for it and then he had to sort of backtrack. So while it was sort of a regulation save, it was still one that he obviously had to make. And if he didn't, if he did stuff it up, it could have um, definitely given, obviously given the Sharks the upper hand. But Jared, after round 11, it was obviously a match United had to win to have just claimed that this was a really successful season. What what did you make of the match? Oh, it was not the best football match by any stretch of the imagination. I think Josh started off with that as well. But what what it was was just a dogfight between the two. You know, it it wasn't the prettiest, not pretty, not exactly pretty in terms of football wise. But look, there was it was a tough game, a tough game for both and. Um, yeah, my big moment was actually the the collection of saves that Jay Fernandez made in I believe it was the second half. You know, had Manuna had more going forward, you know, more creativity going forward, those saves could have been a turning point for a Winuna comeback. But uh alas it wasn't the B. But um yeah, Fernandez's performance was uh and his collection of saves was my standout moment of the match for sure. But yeah, not exactly the prettiest football game in the world. Mm. And if they concede there 10 minutes into the second half, heads potentially could have gone down from the Sharks, though they haven't, uh, their heads haven't gone down all season, to be fair. So this might be an unfair comment, uh, but it could have ended up being a blowout um, if they'd uh, dropped the basket after that one. And I think that you mentioned a dogfight, and I think when the, you've got a back line that includes Denny Lazareski, Ben Brooks, and uh, Sean Thomas, who have a lot more experience compared to their opposite backline. And to be fair, Andre Diaz is a very capable player in his own right. Um, it's always going to be tough when you when it's been dragged down to that, um, that type of game. And there was a lot of ball in the air and there's some big lads in the United team that were, were dominant. And um, that backline was, was tremendous. And I thought that Ben Brooks and Daniel Lazarevsky had shouts for the Scott Chipperfield medal that we'll get on to now. Billy Sovolos was the eventual Scott Chipperfield medalist. I, I thought he did have a really solid game in the midfield there, uh, screening the backline, getting the ball forward, winning a lot of aerial duels. But I thought throughout, Sergi Kawakami was the best on ground, along with Brooks and Lazarevsky who could have also had a shout. But for mine, Kawakami was the most assured on the ball of any of the players out there. Um, He was able to get it on the deck. He was able to always make himself an option. Um, And I thought it was fitting that he was the last player to touch the ball in the grand final. So he was my shout. Um, Josh, did you have any qualms with Sovolos taking out the award? No, no, I think he, he does he did what he does best and that's a lot of the um underrated work that can can sometimes be overlooked. So it's good that it wasn't. Um you mentioned it Brooks, Lazareski, any of those defenders could have honestly been a good shout for the tie, for that title, for that medal, sorry. Um Kawakami, he was my nomination otherwise. I thought he was the most threatening player on the field all day. And 
It doesn't happen often, but if you're going to give it to a side in a losing team, you'd have to give it to Fernandez. He was just, as we said earlier, just terrific. The Jack Whiten. I, I don't, I don't know that you didn't want to get that reference, but it's a <laughs> rugby league reference. Um, Jared, your thoughts on the Scott Chipperfield medal? I reckon it was fair. You know, um, they, they say about midfielders. There's a saying that goes around. They say the best midfielders go unnoticed during the game. Solos wasn't the creator. He wasn't exactly the one who's who was just you know out there playing wise. He just calmly did his job. Swept, swept the uh, midfield perfectly. Just played the simple ball, and um, he was in everything. But while he didn't exactly create the big moments, he was calmly doing his job. And in my opinion, the best midfielders go unnoticed. So uh, I reckon that's fair. But um, yep, Kawakami was a notable omission. But um, a couple of players uh, as well who I thought had solid games as well. Obviously, Fernandez kept Winuna in touching distance. Kawasaki, obviously, he scored the winning goal, so he was and he was dangerous on the ball. But one that nobody has mentioned yet, Cam Besgrove. I've honestly, some of the defensive defensive plays he made, he won so many tackles. And to be honest with you, he wasn't afraid to go through a couple of players either. So I thought Cam Besgrove deserves a mention as well because he was quite simply defensively leading the back line for winning, and I thought he was very good on the weekend. That's a great shout, to be fair. I mentioned I had a player ratings article that I'll link in the show notes that I'll able to miss reliable. And he did, he was made a number of crucial interventions uh, in the middle of defence there. Um, and also with Kawasakia, he also was part of the play that won that free kick as well. Obviously, he was the one fouled. So. In the crucial, the obviously the most crucial moment of the match, he was uh, the one at the centre of it. So, yeah, it's probably fair to mention his name. Um, now, I don't know if either of you have any thoughts on it, but your thoughts on Ian McLennan Park as a grand final venue? Um, but just for this year, yes. And just for the weather on the weekend, yeah. Any other year when you can afford to get a wind stadium or Korean Park at its top niche, top notch condition, then no. Um, atmosphere wise, I reckon the other two triumph over Ian McLennan Park. But you got to look at it this year. It was bucket down rain all weekend and on all weather pitch. We needed something like that because otherwise, most other grounds wouldn't hold up too well. But um, yeah, in all honesty, like when dollars need to be saved, not hiring out grounds like wind stadium. You've already got an all-weather pitch on your own in a, on a weekend with inclement weather. Might as well use it. Yeah, I'm, I'm just going to back up with Jared. Mm. Sorry, I'm just going to back up with Jared said. Obviously, it's my first year down here, but to me, there was just lacking that grand final atmosphere. Um, even the post-match presentation, I don't know. Is something wrong with streamers? or Is there something with streamers or something to go off in the background? Is that not COVID safe this year? I don't know. Just... There was no big moment of celebration when they got their trophy. Um, obviously, United players did. They chanted and sung, but it's not the same. I've seen photos from last year's grand final. There was, as I said, streamers and everything going everywhere, and it just looked like an amazing atmosphere. So, yeah, I agree, Jared. For this year, I think it did okay. Ultimately, in the end, you don't, you don't know what the forecast is going to be, but given the rain in the mornings of Saturday and Sunday and the week leading in, I, I, I don't think... 
all six matches would have been played on any other venue apart from Wynn Stadium, especially that district league second grade grand final where it was um, looked like the end of days when I when I woke up on Saturday morning. Um, obviously, the crowd cap would also have um, affected the atmosphere, but I'm a fan of Wynn Stadium. I hope it's... Uh, I hope it's a win stadium in the years ahead, especially the Illawarra Premier League. Perhaps the District League can be played at um, at uh, club grounds that uh, are in really top notch this year. Uh, that particular year, whether it be your your Connorsons, your Paul Kemblers, your Bullies, your Uniteds, whatever. Um, so yeah, this year needs must. Fair enough. Let's move on to the individual awards which were handed out during Sunday's presentation. We'll start with the main one, the George Naylor Medal, which was once again awarded by Mavis, George Naylor's widow. And it was great to see her 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 out there because she's always out there. She's an absolute trooper. And the Naylors have obviously been a, a key part in Illawarra football for, for decades. And she awarded it to Billy Sovolos, who pipped Toby Norville of Cringilla for the honour of the two. I think it's a... A very fair call, even though Norville was perhaps the best player outside the top five. But Jared is the former Portsmouth graduate, your player of the season. Oh, Sobolos, 100% right call. He's been superb in every game. I don't reckon he's had an off game this year. Every game he's played. And honestly, I haven't seen one person argue against him winning the medal this year. So in my opinion, fair call, 100%. Josh? Yeah, no problem. The only... um. I think I made a vocal on your podcast the other week, Dylan. The only other player I thought that truly deserved it, and again, no disrespect to, uh, to Toby Norville, he had a great season, but I thought Taro Regan-Williams was the other standout player this year in the IPL. But Billy was, was terrific, as uh, as you said, Jared, pretty much every game. Um, can't, can't deny him that honour. I think Sovlos was was United's best player throughout the year. Um, very reliable. He was, I think perhaps picked up the man in the match in the preseason cup and yes he did yeah did he pick up the man in the match in the Birmingham cup i'm not not quite sure but he was one in of the, the better players. Sure. um so in the big matches he is got a habit of stepping up and a very reliable player uh my answer will lead into the next one somewhat i feel Jai fernandez should have been up for the george naylor medal and by extension i feel he should have been picked over Constance Blake Horton for goalkeeper of the year. I checked my notes last night and I went to half of Winuna's competitive matches this season. And while one eleven round season may be a small sample size, I, th- I think he's the best goalkeeper I've seen in the Premier League in the five seasons I've been watching. Better than Yuya Kawada of Bulai, better than Mitch Blows. Of course, I only got to see the end of his career and better than Hayden Juros who... Uh, obviously went on to get signed with the Wolves this season. First and foremost, he is an excellent shot stopper. He has a great command of his area, which is such a help for his defenders, especially the young defenders in front of him. And he has extremely tidy hands, even in wet weather. And apart from Sunday, his distribution is fantastic. I, I don't think Winuna win the league with any other goalkeeper in this competition. Top five, most likely, if you put a... Horton or uh, Passfield or 
another goalkeeper in the mix. They probably made the top five, but the way Fernandez played this season, for them to uh, win the league without him is, I think it's basically no chance. And also in the final series, he was huge. On Sunday, he almost single-handedly kept his side in the match. Uh, but the same can be said in the major semi last time they played Wollongong United. He was tremendous on that day. He was brilliant in the wet against Albion Park uh, in the preliminary preliminary final. And though the grand final doesn't count necessarily for or at all for this award because it's the decisions made beforehand, um, he was tremendous on Sunday as well. And I think the award system probably needs an overhaul. Clubs... Clubs shouldn't just be given a decision between a handful of players right at the end of the season because, look, undoubtedly it falls victim of strategic voting, in my honest opinion. That's not taking away from Solos because I think he deserves to be in the top one or two players. No doubt about that. But um, I would be more content with it being completely down to whoever finishes at the top of the referees' votes. The referees give three to one after each game. They rate the goalkeepers from one to five. Ultimately, there's too many referees and too many games for that to be uh, not fixed in the in, fix isn't <laughs> quite the right word, but um, it's not uh, going to be um, go down a particular path depending on just how a couple of people vote right at the end of the season without thinking too much about the whole season um, as a collective. But in saying that, in saying all that. Horton is still, because we're moving on to the goalkeeper of the year, which Blake Horton won. Horton is still a great Premier League goalkeeper. Coniston would have struggled even more had it not been for him. And Rob Burkham wouldn't be bringing him to the Alvin Park White Eagles had he not thought he was a top number one. However, however, Fernandez is my pick for, for both of these awards, Josh. Yeah, Blake is a, a great young player and we I just want to make it clear, we're definitely not trying to disrespect him because I think all three of us strongly agree that uh, Fernandez definitely should have been the goalkeeper of the year. Um, yeah, I was a little, a little bit disappointed in that decision, but again, I don't want to take anything away from Blake. So, But in terms of when, it, when a team concedes nine goals, I mean, yes, it was half a season, but I said nine goals in 11 games, I think two two goals in the three. Finals. I mean, they were the during that regular season they conceded five less goals than their next next rival on 14th. So, and a lot of that was down to uh, Fernandez' good work. So, yeah, I, I can't understand it. Do you have any thoughts on on what we've just said there, Pollard? Look, any I reckon any other season, I wouldn't have a problem with Horton getting keeper of the year, but. Horton, he, he, was, he was brilliant this year. We won't take it away from him. He was brilliant. But in my opinion, Fernandez was on another level. And that's the only way I can put it. If Fernandez wasn't there, fair enough. I'll give it to Horton 100%. He was, he was top, top class this year. But yeah, oh, Fernandez was just on another level. And he was, he was almost player of the year nomination worthy, not just goalkeeper of the year nomination worthy. So... And once again, that's taken nothing away from Blake because he was absolutely superb. And I reckon any other year, that his performance would have warranted a Golden Glove of the Year. But um, no, I, honestly, congratulations to him. And I'm not sure what Horton's plans are, but obviously he's at Terra Reserve next year. But if he's in the Premier League for another decade, there's no doubt he's going to win a couple more Golden Gloves in that period. But we'll move on to the final award, which is the Coach of the Year. And it went to Winuna's Dan McGoldrick to the surprise of almost no one. 
something I will touch on a bit later. We will talk about Winuna more in the team-by-team review. But I really don't think anyone can underestimate how big an achievement it is for the Sharks to win the league title. Given how depleted their squad was after last season, which just missed out on the top five, uh, for them to to make the top five, I think would have given McGoldrick a shout for the the coach of the year, let alone actually taking out uh, the league title. It's it's a credit to him, really. He's extracted so much out of this playing group and given so much belief to players who hadn't really achieved anything at senior level before. Oliver Kofsky was a runner-up. He obviously took out took the side to the preseason cup final where they won that and of course the Birmingham Cup but given the strength of Woolley United that isn't you know in all due respect that isn't that incredible credit to them but it just can't match what Dan McGoldrick managed to do with Winuna and Ollie even said as much to Football South Coast reporter Nick Wilson that the league is the one that they wanted and it's in many ways the harder one to win the preseason cup isn't taken that seriously by a lot of teams until the final, hence why it's being scrapped for for next year and probably forever. Uh, the same can be said for the Birmingham Cup, where Wollongong United, they beat a lower half district league side, a newly promoted Balambi, strugglers Coniston, before, yes, they played a good side in Bulleye and they, they beat them well. But um, I think there can be absolutely no argument that Dan McGoldrick is uh, the coach of the year. Is there any any arguments there, boys? Remember, the grand final wasn't considered for this award um, because it's the decisions made before the grand final. Could perhaps you maybe even wanted to chuck in some honourable mentions, Jared? Uh, hand up there in the yeah, June yeah, 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 yeah. I didn't, I didn't want to uh, <laughs> talk over anyone there, but uh, yeah, based on performance with the overall pedigree of players in the team. It was a right call. Like I think you told me, Dill, the day when you know, won the league, the Goldrick and the Sharks won the league with a bunch of kids and a camp chair. You know, so nobody predicted it. <laughs> but look, I'm not. I'm not going to take anything away from United and Oliver Kofsky as well. They won three out of the four trophies. But in all honesty, Winona winning the league with a team that only had one player feature in final series before this year in a first grade final series, it like nobody picked it. Most people were tipping the V last this time four months ago. So, you know, you can't... You've taken a team from that to league champions on October 4th. You can't you can't argue against that, no matter how good any other team went. This team was predictably last, and they finished first. Mm. Mr. Bartlett? Yeah, definitely, definitely no disrespect to Oli Vitkovsky. I think um, I'll, I'll touch on United a bit more later on, but... Yeah, they had a great season and, you know, he obviously did a good job as coach. But for Dan McGoldrick, I mean, I was just looking back at my story before the season. I said, I think mid-table is what I expected them to finish. So roughly same as last year. Dylan, you famously said they'd probably win the wooden spoon. Um, sorry to rub that in, mate. Um, but Everyone's Dan... Yeah, that's right, mate. Dan, for mine, was just um, the standout coach this year and... Uh, you can't argue, I mean, as you guys said, you've touched on it. No one expected them to go that well. They won the league title. I mean, what else is to be said? Only other coach I thought maybe deserves a shout-out to be in the running was Goran Trudeski, considering Albion Park lost their coach the days before the comp, and they finished one goal away from a grand final. So, 
that was uh, my other nomination, Dylan. No, I think that's a, a fair shout. I wouldn't say he's in the top two, but yeah, definitely a fair shout. Another person that would, that I want to bring to the table is Peter Willis because I also thought Tarawana would finish probably in the bottom four. Um, a very young side in the front two-thirds of this season and he got them playing a really committed style of football, a really attractive style of football and they had to win on the last day of the season and they did against a strong Wollongong Olympic side who underperformed this year, but the personnel-wise, it was strong nonetheless. And in that grand final, at, uh, in that um, final at uh, Coniston, that was one of the most titanic battles <laughs> you're going to see in the IPL. And they went out on penalties after about, what was it? I think it was 16 penalty shots. And yes. <laughs> it just shows, it just shows uh, the belief that Peter Willis has been out and still in that side. And I think the Blueys, those young Blueys are going to be better for that experience. So I think he also deserves a shout. But in the end, I think it's unanimous. The three of us are more than happy that Dan McGoldrick took out the honour. But before wrapping up this section and taking a little break, I want to say that it was really disappointing to hear Wollong United's president, Peter Verkowski, heckling Dan McGoldrick as he went up to receive his award. Peter may disagree with the decision. He's entitled to do so, but I thought it was extremely disrespectful for anyone, let alone a club president, to act in that way. It was literally minutes after his side had won the grand final, and he, he should have been really happy, but for him to repeatedly yell out his disagreement with the decision, metres in front of the presentation was pretty embarrassing, and I'm confident that if Ollie had won, John Banks would not have behaved in the same manner. It was a disappointing note. On a positive day for United with the club winning the grand final and having Billy Sovelos take out the George Naylor and Scott Chipperfield medals. Um, so, yeah, that was a bit of a bit of a damner. Yeah, look, I don't want to go into specifics of club members or players um, by name or anything like that, Dylan. Um, but some of the behaviour of people involved in United on Sunday after the game was a bit disappointing. There's a certain dignity and grace I think you can show after after winning, particularly a, a tight grand final against a, a good young side. So, uh, on the other hand, I do want to credit uh, Billy Sovelis, who was very um, humble when I spoke to him straight after the game. He had nothing but praise for that young shark side, and not just a generic, you know, oh they played okay kind of quote. He actually broke down names like Tyler, uh, Luki. He was giving me names of players and why they play well. So. Full credit to Billy, mate. You, um, yeah, you were shining light on Sunday, on and on and off the field. I just want to say. Mm. And we'll link that article in the show notes as well, because because I yeah, hundred percent agree for him to have the presence of mind to talk talk a bit more candidly in that situation was, was good. But I, I did want to bring that up. Overall, it's still a great day for Wollongong United's for Wollongong United, given all they won, but. Unfortunately, there was a, a bit of a sour note, but let's take a quick break before getting into the team-by-team team review. We're back and ready to get into the team-by-team team season review where we are going to give our thoughts on each side from last through to first and rating their campaign out of 10. I know you've published a piece reviewing each side's season without the score, Josh. I want to say from the off that these ratings, or mine at the very least, uh, are considering what 
the side was expected to do before round one. So, for example, in the English Premier League, if Liverpool come fourth, that would probably be a six out of ten season. But if Leeds came fourth, that would probably be around a nine, maybe even higher. But also, that isn't the be-all and end-all. Fulham are probably tipped by many to come last, but... If they come last, that obviously doesn't mean they've had a decent season and deserve a 6 or 7 out of 10. Uh, any comments before we get started? Getting into it. Um, yeah, I was going to say I'll have a, a similar rating system. The, the, the Bartlett rating system. We'll, uh, get, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll release the PDF afterwards. <laughs> first oh of all... Use that for George Naylor next year. <laughs> first of all... <laughs> We come up with the Arvella Bartlett uh, system. What's what are the, yeah, the models called in cricket? What's that? The Duckworth, Duckworth Lewis. Lewis. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get into it. South Coast United. They finished to the bottom of the pole uh, with four points, which was included one win in the last round of the season. Look, they they played pretty okay, but the table doesn't really lie, and a mix of reoccurring injuries and simple errors. Cost aside, big time. Fortunately, there. Fortunately for them, there is no relegation. But ultimately, the season is a fail. And for mine, I'm going to start off with giving South Coast a three. Josh, I'll be less, slightly less harsh because I feel like definitely their ladder finish didn't reflect their their effort this season, and the fact they never fully had a team together. Um, I think Jared would agree with that. I don't think they ever quite had that full squad together. And the season just, they never got going. That was the thing this year, South Coast United. So um, I still agree with the decision not to relegate this in a, in a compromised, compromising quota comma, inverted commas in terms of shortened season. Um, I, yeah, they're probably lucky they don't get relegated, but I think it's the right call. I'm going to give them a five. Yeah, I'm of a similar opinion, Josh. Like, I, I'll, from being within the squad, I cannot recall two weeks in a row where we had the same starting eleven, which was extremely disruptive. You know, injuries and all sorts as well. So, and it, it, like you said as well, like some of the stuff they played during the year didn't warrant a last place um, position. So, um, yeah, I'm the same. I just gave them a five out of ten because I don't reckon it was like. Lucky there isn't relegation, but yeah, it's, to finish last, it is a bit of a struggle. But um, some of the circumstances as to why they finished last were out of control, out of their control. Let's move on to Port Kembla, who finished 11th with seven points. I got a bit of stick for tipping Port to come second last. And I'm going to claim my victories where I can, but I'm not going to gloat too much. But I thought the signs were there for Port Kembla to have a pretty average season. Obviously, Stephen Dimitrescu left just days before the season started and Robbie Davies had pretty much an impossible job really to get that much out of this side. And while they were, by their own admission, embarrassed a couple of times, they did manage one or two results. Defensively, they were they were pretty poor. But I think under Stuart Beatty, they'll, they'll no doubt improve. And I believe Robbie's going to be staying and have a role there as well. So I think uh, the rookie coach will learn a bit from uh, Beatty. But... I've got to go with a four here because they are the Illawarra Premier League's most successful club and they've come second last, Josh. 
Yeah, look, obviously losing a coach just a couple of days out before the campaign starts is the worst way to start. And then they had to wait till I think, round four to get their first win. So, But I thought they showed more and more as the season went on. Um, and certainly not in terms of results, but they showed more resilience on the field, uh, which was good to see. Uh, Robbie did a great job. Um, it's good that he's sticking around, considering you know it's, it was a bloody tough season for him uh, to be thrown into the role. I'll give him a six. I've got a little bit more empathy for them just um, in terms of that coach leaving before the season starts. But I also want to get in. I want to get in early. I think they'll be the big improver next year um, under Beatty. I'm expecting them to be close to the finals, if not in the finals next year. We've set our stalls out early. I'm a harsh raider to, by many people's uh, many people's metrics. So, Josh, uh, Jared, where are you going with Paul Kemmler? Oh. I'm of a similar opinion to Dylan, to be honest with you. Like, considering the power, they're one of the powerhouse clubs in this in this area, and the most the most successful club in the league for a club like Port Kembla to have the season they have is extremely disappointing for them. As personally, so I'm the same as Dylan. I've given them a four out of ten. Coniston, they're. A few places where I could say there are a few places where I could say Coniston's season unraveled, but I think the most obvious one is dropping that three goal lead to lose against Berlambi in preseason. They showed they had the ability to push for the five, but it's a suspension here, a bad result there, a couple of niggling injuries led them to have a, a pretty ordinary year, but fortune really didn't favor them. But given how the potential of the side that was evident in pre-season. Um, I'm probably going to give him a four. Is that, is that too harsh? I'm not too sure. Jared, you can start off this time. Uh, yeah, like, oh, I don't think it's all doom and gloom for Connor. you got to look at it. There's three things I can pick up. They made the Frack Cup final, um, which is like pre-season cup, but you've got to say it's still a final. They made the semis of the Burt Bandon Cup, which is, and they lost to the eventual winners. So there's no harm in that. They actually, both comps, they lost to the eventual winners. And uh, they also brought through some, a couple of young guys exposed in the first grade who uh, didn't do themselves any harms for future years as well. So I've been a bit more leading. I'll give them a six. Josh? Yeah, look, I found them one of the harder teams to rate this this year because I think they ended up having more draws than win, uh, than losses. So it showed they were in a lot of games. They just couldn't get that next step. But I, I thought they would have done a little bit better than they did under Jeff Allport, especially because they showed such good signs during the preseason. I'm going to go right between the middle and give them a five. Fair enough. And talking about draws, we're moving on to Cringilla. Six draws. <laughs> win two of those and they're win two of those against top five rivals and they're probably playing in the finals. Peter Simonowski was fun to watch in the first few weeks, but it was Toby Norville who really burst onto the scene, unfortunately, for Paul Mickelmeyer, who will be at Coromel next season. That's Norville, obviously. Uh, but overall, it isn't a good season. Um and it's probably just a tad under okay, but Kundular aside that have struggled for a number of years, so I'm probably looking at about a five and a half. Josh, can we chuck half yeah, scores in there? I don't know. <laughs> we can do half scores. I think that's a pretty fair judgment of this season. Um, Kundular, I don't know, think everyone, I don't think they were expected to go high, and 
Yeah, they just were kind of a middling team, to be honest, middling to low team for most of the year. Uh, Norval was fantastic, so he had a very good year. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll give him a, a six, just um, a, a kind six. I think if yeah. Simonovsky didn't come in from Sutherland a week or so before the season started, I don't think there would have been any expectations on Cringilla. So, um, Jared, where are you leaning with the lines? Yeah, I'm looking at Crinny as well. You got to look, if Simonoski didn't get injured and he played out the whole season, I reckon they would have been in the five. But you got to look, look at another thing as well. They had the George Naylor medals run, runner-up in the team. So that's one of the positives to come out of their season. And look, they didn't, they didn't finish near the bottom in the end. Finished, what did they finish? Eighth, ninth or something. I'll be on the same rating as you, though. I'll give them a five and a half. So just up our pass, I think. Mm. So they drew with Alvin Park in round one. If they win that and they and they win against, say, Wollongong United in round eight, they're in the five. Um, like literally two, two results changed their entire season. Uh, but let's go on to Coromel, who up until a few days ago were the reigning premiers. It's the second year in a row now that the reigning premiers have finished eighth and... Like Buller, it's hard to really give them any praise, really. Uh, the side had their two Japanese stars go to Rockdale and their replacements went back to Japan due to COVID. Injuries as well didn't help them, but it's still a, a pretty mediocre year considering they still had um, a, a number of pretty talented players in there with uh, Ricky Goodchild obviously being the standout. Um It'll be intriguing to see how they get on under Nathan Minatello and Fabian Capetta. They've already signed on a few players, but this season for reigning premiers to finish fifth, um, to finish eighth rather, preempting my score, I'm going to give him a five, Jared. Yeah, it was mediocre by by many standards, but you got to look at it as well. Like I'm a bit generous when it comes to or compassionate rather, you know, sympathetic with, with, yeah, you know, I'm a sympathetic You're a lover, person, not a fighter. That's exactly right. But, <laughs> but um, yeah, you got to look at that. Injuries as well. And you touched on Goodchild, who did make the nominees for the George Naylor. He was injured for a couple of games towards the crucial part of the season as well. And similar to Congilla, if they had a couple more results go their way, they could have been within a shout of the top five. So, I've given them five and a half just based on circumstances. Similar to South You're not that much more generous than me. Far. Yeah, you know, it's about so some circumstances <laughs> without the control. The Rangers still had a midfield, which include Goodchild, Sergio, and Sam Matthews. That's a pretty bloody good midfield. Um, they didn't have a striker due to the injuries of Fanelai early, early doors. Alvin Checkley was obviously a miss. But, yeah, I'm sticking with my five, Josh. Yeah, look, they obviously, before the season, I thought they were going to be up there with the, the favourites. They, on paper, they had Van Alaya, they had Ricky Goodchild, there was talks of Mark Bridge coming down. Like It was a case of, you know, Coromel and maybe United and Bulleye would would be the big challenges. So they never got their full force together. Um, I, I'd say it was a pretty disappointing campaign for a side that finished top three last year and won the, and won the premiership as well. I'll go with five and a half as well. All right, well, we're, in, we're all in the same ballpark. Let's move on to newly promoted Palambi. Andy Payne, who will obviously uh, be at Helensburg next season. He'll be disappointed the side dropped out of finals contention after being 
I believe, in the top two for a few weeks. But in a vacuum, seventh for a newly promoted side is is pretty all right. So I'm going to go 6.5, Josh. Yeah, I, I thought they, they had a pretty good year. Um, yeah, they definitely started well. They uh, only I was looking back at my story earlier in the week. They only lost one of their first seven games. So they had a, a, a perfect start to the year, really, considering where they came from. Being the newly promoted team, I mean, they're going to lose a bit of talent, I think, um, with, with Andy Payne moving on. But they, they blooded some young guys. Um, Vaughan Patterson was outstanding this year. Shout out to him. He got the goal scorer award for the league as well. We forgot to mention that earlier. Mm. Um, I'm actually going to give them a seven because I thought that was a, a pretty good year despite missing finals. No, that's probably fair, Jared. Yeah, I'm, I gave him a seven as well, but... Um, yeah, I reckon the uh, the worst thing to come out of this offseason so far is the Helensburg announcing that Slushy Watts is going back to the Burr because we're going to miss him in the Premier League. He was, he was a good character. But yeah, look, nah, the, the emergence of Watts, Cuthbertson and Unicum, that partnership as well was um, one of the highlights of the definitely the first half of the season as well. So those three come through. Um, hope to see him in the Premier League in the coming seasons after next season as well. Who knows if they get promoted with Helensburg next year, but yeah, so um, that, that'll be a big loss to the league. But yeah, I'll give him Belambia seven. And Jeff Allport is taking over at the Rosellas next season. Obviously, he won't be too happy with Coniston this year, but I still think the two years he spent at Coniston were pretty successful overall. They were newly promoted when he took charge and um, he's definitely laid a platform for someone else to build upon. And I think that coming in Fandy Payne, he'll do who's a more than adequate replacement. So Columbia still uh, still on the up, but a side that will need to sort themselves out quite a bit over the off-season is Wollongong Olympic. Many, and I'm probably one of them, would say Olympic had the best squad in the competition before the start of the season. And even during the season, the defence was stacked. You look at Jack Keating, the best, the best defender in the league for a number of years. Mark Every, who's probably in the top five defenders in the league for a number of years. They brought in James Portocino into that defence. Uh, James Carley as well, who's the midfielder slash defender. There was an ex-goal, ex-A-League goalkeeper in net in uh, Passfield. They had a youth international playmaker who's been one of the better players in the league in Johnny Martinowski, a former J-League striker up front, and in the end, it, it all came to nothing. George Antonou has credit in the bank for winning the league title in 2019, but I'm pretty sure he'll know that this season, with just four wins in 11 games, just wasn't good enough. Given the talent and expectations of the side, I think they've had the worst season of any side in this competition, so I'm giving them a two. Jared? Yeah, I agree. With regards to the Pedarines side, they've underperformed more than anyone. Olympic, well, I remember touting them as possible league champions with all the signings they were making four months ago, but extremely underperformed. And um, I'm not as harsh of a raider, so I'll put them as a three and a half. But yeah, it's still extremely disappointing. They even had a chance to make that. All they had to do, I say all in, you know, Quotations, all they had to do was beat uh, Tarawana, or I believe not lose to Tarawana in the last day of the season. A team full of rookies, and they lost 2 1. It's, it wasn't good enough, Josh. Yeah, look, coming into to this job and covering you know, the IPL this year, I was told 
Olympics, one of those teams are always up there. Um, so I had a pretty high expectation for them coming to the year. If I remember rightly, they started the year with a, an upset win over United as well. I think it was a pretty pretty solid yeah. win um, to kick them off their campaign, and then just absolutely nothing went their way for the rest of the comp. So I'd say there was a point where they probably started to play more youth when they realised. I mean, as you said, they were in contention for finals, but maybe they lost a bit of faith or something towards the end of the year. I don't know. Um, I'm going to give them a four. It was a pretty pretty ordinary campaign for them. One Brightsbrook, just because you mentioned the youth, I did thought think that uh, Keegan Matthias was a pretty impressive player for them in midfield. I thought there was a couple of games that um, he stood out for me. Probably the game that comes to mind was when they drew with Bulleye about in round four or five. He was one of Olympic's best players on that day. So there is a couple of bright spots in terms of younger players, but overall, I'm... I'm sticking with the two there. Let's go into the top five. The Albion Park White Eagles, pre-COVID, they were a top five side. Post-COVID, they were still a finals chance, but their lead their lead-in was pretty rough in uh, pre-season results-wise. Jason Dafkowski departed, leaving Goran Trzeszewski in charge. And the White Eagles, they, they had a really, really rough start. Um, and they probably looked like, up until a month ago or five weeks to go that they were going to miss the five um, by a couple of wins in truth. But Brendan Fordham came in, Nico Mann came in, the forward line went from strength to strength and in the end they nearly made the green final. So um, the second and a half of the season is probably, you know, an eight, an eight and a half, but I'm probably going to go down to a seven and a half, Josh. Yeah, look, I, I, again, I have a bit of sympathy. Losing a coach just before the season starts is um, incredible in some ways. To For two coaches to depart in the week before the IPL start was uh, an interesting start to, to the year. Um, yeah, look, they, they obviously they struggled early on and did look like going to fire a shot. But that last six to seven weeks, I would say they were the best team at the comp um, in that period anyway. Um and played some and great football. Uh, Joel Beattie really came on this year. Cameron Morgan was always a threat up forward. So there's a couple of big characters in terms of uh, the ones you mentioned earlier, Jared, that we're losing next year in the IPL. But those guys have some big character. Um, I'm going to give them an eight. Um, they were one goal away from a grand final, as I kind of mentioned earlier. Yeah, one one goal from a grand final appearance. So, yeah, I'll give them an eight. Pollard? Yeah, I gave them a seven and a half, just purely... Purely based on, I reckon, I agree with Josh in that they were probably the form team of the back end of the year. But and, um, and I'm, of, I'm of an opinion, and I've seen it over the last few years, when Allen Park is firing and playing some good football, the league's just more entertaining. I don't know what it is, but it's always more entertaining when Allen Park's firing. But um, they did have a lot of strike power, who and they were touted to do well um, early in the year, obviously before the uh, coaching reshuffle, but... I have given them a seven and a half, but um, I reckon I reckon it was a good season for Alien Park. Let's go on to the Tarawana Blueys. The the Bluey Babes were fantastic. <laughs> That's a horrible one because the problem <laughs> That's is disgusting. The pro- no, because you probably don't get it either. It's a reference to the Busby Babes and the Manchester. Yeah, I know teams. that. I know that. But but most of these, you know, you know, Thomasello and. 
and whatnot are probably about 15 years old, but so they wouldn't know what I'm talking about. But um, ultimately, I thought Tarawana had a, had a fantastic season. I really didn't see them making the finals. And to my surprise, they, they got there with some pretty big performances. I mentioned that uh, last round, we know for Wollongong Olympic, Peter Willis is back on board for next year. And I think their mids and, and forwards will really benefit for the, the, the experience they, they had this year. Also, a shout out to Matt Naylor. I thought it was the best he's, he's played in a couple of years. Uh, He'll know who the Busby babes are. He will, to be fair. Um, <laughs> look, I had them to come ninth. And for them to come fourth, I'm, I'm giving them an eight and a half. Well, either you can pop in. Whoever has a strong yeah, opinion. I'll, I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll, go. I'll go, Jared. You, you go, mate. All right, easy. I gave them I gave them an eight and a half as well. They they over they overperformed. If anything, you got to look at it. I don't know what their average age was, but um, if it was if it was higher than twenty three, I reckon that's solely due to Matt Naylor and Darren Stone playing in there. But in all honesty, they were they were for the for the their expectation at the start of the year they overperformed extremely. So credit to them and the fact that they're keeping the coach on again next year. And it looks like there's going to be a lot of similar players. Keep an eye out for the Blues in the years come, I think. I really hope they can keep that, that squad together and, and play a few seasons together because, yeah, in two or three years' time, there could be a genuine a genuine chance of picking up some silverware. Um, I do want to men- mention Mitchell Ferraro. It was sad to see him in a, in a knee brace um, for that final for that um, finals game against Albion Park. Hopefully he can get back out on the park at some point next season because he was a, a, a rookie captain and a rookie side and he led them around well. And I think they started relatively, not not poorly, but relatively slowly, but really came into their own, Josh. Yeah, look, I, I think they had a pretty good year overall. Um, Peter Willis is doing a, doing a great job uh, with the young side and, not just bad to see that injury to Mitch Ferrara. They also lost Zach Mazeski for the, before the mm. finals. And um, I've, I've been quite vocal this year. I think that first semi-final between Tarawana and uh, Albion Park was the game of the year. So they gave their all. It's not, I don't think they'll have any regrets. That was just down to, to luck in penalties. So but they've almost gone on a charge towards the grand final. You never know. Um, just the bad luck. So I'm giving them an eight. I think they'll improve again next year. I think it'll be his fifth season in charge of Tarawan Oval, which would make him the second longest serving coach behind Greg Valich, who obviously has been there quite a long time. I think 2016 is when he took over as coach of South Coast United. But now we're moving into the top three. Bulleye is the side that finished first, third rather. I think Julio Miranda did a a pretty good job overhauling the side after a poor 2019. And I don't think that that was an easy task. And in the end, he got the IPL powerhouse back into the top five, which once again, no mean feat. And um, I think their start of the season was great. They were playing some really awesome football, but the second half of the year, they weren't quite as good to watch, quite as free flowing. The results uh, in the crunch games were also relatively Oh, well, pretty ordinary. So I'm going to be giving them a seven and a half, Josh. Yeah, I'm pretty happy to give them about a seven and a half as well. So they, I think I wrote early in the week, around August, they look like the team to beat. 
you know, had some big wins around that time. They they absolutely thrashed their opposition, and it looked like by how far um, probably the turning point for them was that loss in the Bampton Cup to to United. They were then beaten a couple of days a couple of days later again by United, and I just yeah they struggled to get their momentum going in the back end of the year, and obviously straight set finals exit isn't ideal either. I'll give them a seven and a half though. Um, Considering where they were at last year, that's a that's a good jump up the ladder again. It's a platform for Bulleye to build upon Pollard, but how do you think they went this year? Yeah, I'm a bit with Bulleye. Like I reckon when they played their best, they're the best footballing team in the comp, but um, they didn't play their best as often as they could this year. And I'm kind of conflicted between the Bulleye of last year and how much they've improved this year, and the Bulleye of the last five years, who's the best team in the league. And they, you know, they, well, let's put it, they weren't the best team in the league this year for, across 11 rounds. So I've given them a seven. Like, I reckon it was a good season, but, you know, Bull Eyes a powerhouse club. And Far out your arse. Your arse. Yeah, honestly. I'm horrible, aren't I? Look yeah. at you, honestly. Love and, a, love and not a fighter, huh? Yeah, but no, I'll give them, I'll give them a seven. I'll give them a seven. It was a good season, but and based on last year, big improvement. But, yeah, I reckon they'll go, I reckon they'll go a couple better next year. I reckon they'll be up there. Now we get to the two grand finalists. Who wants to get us underway with Wollongong United? I'll jump in. I'll, I'll, I'll be brave and jump in the deep end. Um, I, I'll be interested to see what you guys give their score this year, but I um, I am going to give, straight up, I'm going to give United a, a nine. Um, they were one goal away from, <laughs> feels like one goal is the theme today, but they were one goal behind uh, winner in that championship race um, of completing the trophies plain sweep this year, all four trophies on offer, plus they were the club, club champions, so um, yeah, look, I have to give it a nine they were, they were pretty impressive, yes, everyone expects them to do well, but you've got to live up those expectations, and they did this year so, uh, led by Billy Sovelis, we've talked about him, he was outstanding this year, and they were just solid across the park um, pretty much all year, Um only dropped the two games, I think, the whole year um, in terms of the cup comps, but they lost their first round, they lost their last round to, to Coniston, which we all, I don't think anyone saw that one coming, so uh, I think still a nine, that's a, a pretty strong year. How about you, Pollard? Yeah, Bartlett's calling me Pollard now, how good is that? Thanks, Arvella, but uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, I'm on the same, I'll give, you, I'll give United a nine. The only reason they didn't get a nine and a half or a ten is just simply because they didn't win the league title. Other than that, you got to look at it. They got the Georgian Ailer medals, they got the Scott Chipperfield medals, they got the Burp Amber Cup, Frack Cup. What was the other one again? <laughs> the grand final win. They had the, final, the, yeah, they had the mayor, they had the mayor of the match in the Frack Cup, mayor of the match in the Burp Bampton Cup. You know, they won everything by that one trophy, and they're the only reason on. I've given them a nine and not a ten or a nine and a half because they're the powerhouse club. And like you said, they are expected to do it, but they did live up to those expectations. So I have given them a nine. United had a had a great season. They won the grand final, of course. They came within a goal of the top league title, as, as you've mentioned. Um, and ultimately, in the end, I'm not deviating too far off the scores that you've given, but I'm going with an eight, eight and a half. Their side, their squad is is the best squad along with Olympic. Um, and yes, they still have to get the job done. Hence, I'm giving it an 8.5. But it isn't anything completely unexpected. Um, and I think that for them to get a, 
a nine or a nine and a half. They they should have really walked all the competitions. Not walked all of the competitions, but won all the competitions because they are a prem, the premier side this season. And I think that you can look at my score that I gave to Wollongong Olympic and it shows that if a squad of that ability doesn't live up to those sort of expectations and really flunks it like uh, Olympic did, that their score's really going to be... Um, Knocked. So I think not being able to win the league title really, um, really knocks probably a point off their score because while that that Wanuna achievement is incredible, there's four games across an eleven rounds that United dropped, um, and I think that probably isn't a fantastic return for a side that has as much as as much quality, NPL quality and experience that uh, United have. But overall, still a, a really solid and really good season. 8.5, I think, is uh, a pretty fair score there. But we'll move on to the league champions, the side that finished first on the ladder, the winner and Sharks. Who wants to start us off here? Pollard, I reckon you're the man. I'll take it. I'll take it. I gave them a nine and a half. It was simply, yeah, it was... Um, what are you raising your eyebrows for, Arvel? <laughs> no, it was, it was an outstanding season. And you got to look, they claim league championship, coach of the year. Some could have argued you can almost take the keeper of the year, but take nothing away from Black Horton. But that, and the underlying factor is they emerged a lot of future future young stars for the for the next uh, five or so, ten years, next decade. So, yeah, I'll give them a nine and a half. Josh Bartlett? Uh, yeah, I've given them a nine and a half as well, uh, straight off the bat. They, you know, they had a bit of luck in that last round. They took that luck. And, yeah, it's been an interesting season. But I, I, I don't think people can take anything away from Winona this year. Um it was actually eight goals conceded. Sorry to Winona early in the show. I said they conceded nine during the season. It was eight. Um, they were they were fantastic uh, all year, led by that defence. They also managed to unearth some young talent. I've talked about Tyro. I thought he was absolutely outstanding this year, leading that young that uh, defence uh, quite well. So yeah, and they could have got if they won the grand final on Sunday. I honestly would have given them a ten. Um, yeah. Consider expectations mid to low table. Um, I know they've been hit pretty hard, like most clubs, by the COVID impact. They were just outstanding this year. Far out, you guys are harsh. And that probably preempts where I'm going with this one. But in terms of expectation v reality, it, it can't get any better than what the Sharks have done this year. They completely... Maybe achieved... it was your expectation at the start. No. I mean, Josh did to the finish mid-table. Yeah. Yeah, uh, mid, mid to mid to eleven's a bit different. <laughs> for, for mine, they completely achieved the impossible. You look at their players that they lost from last season. Ben Wunsch, uh, Chris Gibson, Corey Haynes-Gross, um, the the Morley brothers, Kali Ali, their captain, Koda Odakuru, um, Lockie Newman, Worthington, McClue. They lost so many players that were a part of their first grade squad. And they replaced them with players that were playing youth grade football in some instances. And... Yes, they picked up a. They got a bit lucky by picking up a great goalkeeper and a great player in Tommy Hirishi. 
But I genuinely looked at them at the start of this season and I looked at these young players and I saw them in a couple of trial matches. I'm like, this side doesn't have anything to compete in this league. And I would have been surprised if they didn't finish last. That's how. That's what I honestly thought. And I don't know if I'll ever see a team accomplish what Wernerna did this season. They were tremendous. Um, it was. It's an incredible story and... I don't think any side in the past or, like I said, going forward will achieve something as remarkable as what the Sharks have done this year. And if I don't give them a 10, I don't know what a side has to do to to get a 10 because they'd already got a 10 before the grand final. They could have lost a 10 nil, and I probably would have given them a 10 because what they've achieved is something absolutely remarkable. So, yep, I'm going with a 10. That's where I'm sticking it. Uh, and that pretty much wraps up our IPL season review. And we've come to the end of the podcast. And for the IPL Informer, this will be the last show for the foreseeable. But Jared, where to for now with the South Coast Footballholic? Oh, we're going to have a bit of fun over our off-season, I reckon. I reckon take a step back and not worry about the football as much, but get to know the people within football. could be locally or could be uh, a bit broader than that. But we'll get to know some people within their... And have a bit of a laugh, I reckon. I think after the year we've had, everyone needs a bit of a laugh. So that's what we're going to be doing and having a bit of a laugh. And just stay tuned for it over the next couple of weeks because we've got something in the works. And um, hey, if it puts a smile on everyone's faces and gives people a bit of a chuckle while listening to it, then hey, we've done our job. Good stuff. And you really have put a lot of time and effort into getting the Footballica up and running this season. So credit to you. And it's also over on Football Nation Radio as well, which is tremendous to see. But Josh, we football off the radar in many ways now. What's your beat for the summer months? I'm sure you're hoping William and Phoenix um, stick around for a bit longer. Yeah, keep an eye out. It's not quite done for the football coverage yet. Keep an eye out. I hope to to do a bit of work with the Phoenix, which is uh, in the works, if you like, at the moment. So we hope to do a bit of coverage with them while they're down. Hopefully they stick a bit around a bit longer than the three weeks expected. Um, yeah, look, hoping to do a bit of uh, Hawks coverage this season, um, in the off-season. So, and probably whatever else is thrown at me here at the Merck. So, no, it's been a great year, guys. I've really enjoyed it. And Thank you to everyone who's helped me, including you two. Um, it's been been a wonderful season. Can I just butt in? Can, can I just butt in and just add to that? Quite honestly, the coverage for local football this year and previous years it was way above any other association league. But the coverage this year is almost is like unbelievable. Like I cannot believe how rapidly in a season with eleven rounds, how big coverage has has just expanded and how well people, players, supporters have reacted to it and listened to it and how many people are interested in this stuff like that. So, yeah, don't think it's going away anytime soon either because we're going to be sticking around and we're going to be doing it for a long while to come yet. And I was talking with Bobby Mazevsky yesterday about the coverage in the Mercury, Josh, and he he brought up uh, the legendary Phil Murphy. I'm not sure if you've caught his name before, but pretty much anything written about the IPL and the Wolves for about 30 years or so, maybe even more, was had his name attached to it. And he said it's the best IPL coverage uh, the league's had since um, since he since he was involved with the Mercury probably over a decade ago. He passed away last year, but he was a legendary figure. And you've, you've made an impact in your first year, Josh, so tremendous credit to you. But uh, 
we uh, don't want to be gushing too much. We're going to have to wrap this thing up. Please go like and follow the IPL Informer on Facebook and Twitter. And I believe the, well, I know the football holiday goes over there as well as Instagram. <laughs> so go and give Jared's uh, footballic a, a uh, plug on, or well, a bit of support on social media. Um, and Get into those awards as well. Fan voted awards is going to be a bit of fun over the next week. Yeah, you've already got a few categories up on your social pages, so get around that. Slushy, um, slushy Watts for Guest of the Year. You heard it here first. I think that that's, that's pretty short that's price favourite as, as, <laughs> as things stand. Um, but cheers, guys. Thanks, boys. Fantastic. Thank you, boys. Well done. That's all from me. And until next time, enjoy the football. What football? (laughs) Or lack thereof. What football? (laughs) The A-League's back soon.